Welcome back to the Pivot and Go podcast. Hope you're having a great week. I know this world is kind of a crazy one, especially over here in America, but we will pivot out of 2020 and we'll pivot on to 2021. Is there something you are feeling stuck in in your life? Think about it. All you are, a slight perspective shift, a small pivot away from being fully on your mission and on your journey. This week on the Pivot and Go podcast, a really fun episode with Dana Cavalia. So if Todd Durkin, who we had on here before, Drew Brees' trainer, was the, the me of the NFL, this is the me. Dana is the me of Major League Baseball. He was the former director of strength and conditioning and performance of the New York Yankees, leading them to a World Series in 2009, was also named the Nolan Ryan Award given to the top strength and performance coach in Major League Baseball, voted by his peers. Yeah, he's good. He is next level on mindset, next level on skill development. He's speaking all over the world now. He has a book out called Habits of a Champion, teaching people how to have these type of habits, working with Mariano Rivera, working with Derek Jeter, some of the best of the best. And you know what? I just really love having people on this podcast who are just make it happen type of people. He walked into this, had no idea if he was going to even get a job or what he was going to do, but just he just kept showing up, showing up day after day after day. And eventually, by just embracing where he was, and you'll hear more about this in his story, his full in-depth story, so he tells it much better than I do, but he ended up being the strength and conditioning coach and performance for the New York Yankees. Something he didn't even dream, even better than he could have imagined. He felt stuck in where he was. He pivoted and he found his goal, found his dream that even better than he had imagined. So listen to everything that Dana has to say. It's very powerful. Let us know what your takeaways are. And without further ado, buckle up because here we go. EMF. 5G, yeah, we've all heard about it, and we all know how bad it is. But our sponsor today, Soma Vedic, changes the game. This is the device that goes in your house that can reliably mitigate the unwanted influences of EMF and 5G radiation. It is 99.9% satisfaction by owners. And I am one of those owners, and I am very satisfied. I have it actually near my TV. It's this light that lights up. And I felt it on the first day, the effects of it. And it could take away headaches, nervousness, sleeping problems, digestion problems, tiredness, weak immunity, Just this from erasing, eliminating the EMF and the 5G that is just all throughout our day constantly. Soma Vedic is absolutely changing the game. Thank you for sponsoring the Pivot and Go podcast. Now go get your EMF and 5G erased. Dana Cavalia, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. How are you doing out there coming from Florida, Jupiter, Florida? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Always happy to talk to my uh, West Coast people. Yeah, you're on the wrong coast. You are on the wrong coast. We'll get you out here. We got a few of you uh, East Coasters that need to make the move. Yeah, we find our way out there eventually. <laughs> hey, start us off with a bang. Something maybe not too many people know about you. I mean, we know that you're the... The great coach in baseball, speak all over the world, very successful, great book, but something maybe just under the radar that 
that no one really knows about you? Well, I'll give you two little things. Number one, I really enjoy art. So I enjoy writing kids books. That's, that's, that's one thing. I'll give you another one. I'm actually in the process of uh, purchasing a cattle farm. Wow. Yeah. So that's totally wild. I don't talk about that, but uh, yeah, that's, you asked me for something with a bang and off the wall. So yeah. Um, in upstate New York, hundred plus acre cattle farm. And uh, we're going to do some grass fed beef and it's going to be uh, going to be something fun. Dude, you know what? We're going to have to go into that because me and one of my friends, a former NBA player, Rob Sacre, he bought a half of a cow and he got me onto that. So I really want to find someone who has a cattle farm. You could buy that half a cow, grass fed, you know, just have for the whole year. All right. So you are my go to guy. I'm coming to you on that. Absolutely. Let me know. Well, that could lead into this next question. I mean, that might be your next life pivot where you're just a cattle rancher. You're selling all this butcher box, great meat. But talk to me on the biggest pivot you have had to make in your life. Because life is about making pivots, having one thing that we think might be our direction, but lead to an next. For me, I thought I was playing in the NBA. Hands down, thought I was playing in the NBA. Now I can't t- touch the rim, never dunked a basketball, but it was actually to lead me to coaching. So what was the biggest life pivot that you've yeah, had to make well, in your life? Well, you know, so like my early, one of my earlier pivots, you know, I believe that kind of set me towards my big pivot was, you know, at 19 years old, I went from saying, hey, I'm no longer going to be a baseball player and I'm going to become a baseball coach. So I started my journey coaching with the Yankees at 19 years old, you know, when I was of, of the age where I believe I, I should have been on my way to, you know, to, to the big leagues. But I, I found another way to the big leagues. And, um, and that was as a performance coach, as a strength coach with the Yanks. And, uh, you know, I, I did that for 12 years. And fast forward, the big pivot was, um, I got to a point where my contract with the Yankees didn't get renewed, but I was also done with professional baseball and traveling all over the country and I was ready to do something else. So it was sort of that perfect intersection of saying, Hey, um, we're not going to renew. And I wanted to do something else as well. So it was a, it was a, a big pivot, but it was one that I embraced because I enjoy I, I enjoyed my time and I was ready to do something else. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love that too, because that was your passion coaching baseball. I mean, obviously playing baseball, being around it, you made it your career. How did you get going at 19? That's pretty remarkable. I thought I was young at 27 coaching with the Nets, but 19, man, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a crazy, it's a crazy story. I mean, you know, I grew up in New York on Long Island and I decided to go to college down at the university of South Florida and Tampa and, uh, you know, it was the land of the palm trees. I was leaving the snow and I was excited to be there. And I also knew that the Yankees had spring training down there as well as a bunch of other teams uh, in the area. So, you know, I grew up in a place where there were no pro athletes really on Long Island. And uh, I went to a place where they were everywhere. So literally, I started interning with the football team at the University of South Florida as I was pursuing a degree in sports medicine. And um, literally one day I caught wind the Yankees were in town. In, in February. So I drive over to the spring training complex. I parked my car about a mile and a half away and I couldn't afford parking any closer. So I walk up to the chain link fence with all the other fans and I'm, I'm looking at all these great players like Derek Jeter and Roger Clemens and Mariano Rivera. And these were guys that I grew up really idolizing. And I'm taking pictures and I'm sending those pictures back to my friends and family in New York. Isn't this amazing? Look at this. It's 80 degrees. It's February. And uh, literally that day when I got back, 
from the stadium, I, I had my internship with the football team at USF, and I didn't even really like football, but I wanted to learn my craft. And um, the head coach calls me in his office and says, hey, Dana, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he said, uh, listen, I just got a call from the head strength coach with the Yankees, and he's looking for somebody to basically hand out towels, clean the weight room, and watch the place while he's out on the field. Would you have any interest in that? And I said, you know, I just got back from there. I would definitely have interest. When do I start? And he says, well, you start tomorrow. So <laughs> the next day I drive up. This time I got a parking spot right up front that was reserved for me. I walk into the office instead of, you know, just being a fan behind the fence. And they throw a credential around my neck that said C for clubhouse, F for field access, threw me in Yankee gear. And next thing you know, that same pic uh, field I was taking a picture of, a day earlier, I was now in the middle of, I was in the middle of team stretch. And the amazing lesson there was literally like that, you can go from one side of the fence to the other. You could pivot from fan to coach. You can pivot from a kid with a dream to somebody that has the opportunity of a lifetime. So that's, that's how I got my start at 19. Crazy. It's beautiful, man. And you know what, though? But, like, yes, you can, but you put yourself in the game. You gave yourself that opportunity. Just you showing up, being there, being around it. A lot of people will say, hey, I want to do this. It sounds great, but they won't take that extra step. They won't even start on the journey to do it. And you put yourself out there. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, where, where I grew up. Again, New York, you know, we have a quite the reputation up there where we're pushers and we're always putting ourselves in the middle of things, sometimes places we don't belong. But, you know, that's, uh, I learned that, you know, growing up that you have to push and you got to jump in the middle of it and people are going to embrace you. Some people won't, but at the end of the day, you always have to put yourself in the position to succeed and or fail. Yes, absolutely, man. And if you would have missed there, you'd have been in the same spot you were before and you'd have been in football. Who knows? But you know what? To that point being said, like you being able to have that opportunity, you know, it's very similar, it sounds like, to a good friend of mine, Eric Spolster, who we were talking about, who started at the film room and literally there was no film room in the NBA. He kind of created that and just would do whatever it took, like anything he was going to do it. Sounds like that's probably the same way that you made your way to the top. Because, I mean, if you're coming in there at 19 as an intern, you're not the performance coach that you ended up being. Right. I mean, listen, I would have cleaned toilets if they asked me to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, what was great is this was back in, the, in, a, in a time, the early 2000s. You know, I was, I was a college kid. You know, I was also working at Bush Gardens on the back of a tram making $7 an hour wow. telling people, hey, welcome to Bush Gardens. I was the guy on the microphone welcoming people to the park. So that's how I made my, my, my living of $7 an hour. Um, so when I got this opportunity, not only did I get to hand out waters and wash the weight room and hand out towels, but I also got to get free lunch and breakfast some days. And I used to take all the Metrex packets back, uh, the protein powders, and that was like my dinner and snacks. So I, I looked at it as a tremendous opportunity, but I would have literally done anything at that point in time. And, and it was a lesson that I learned is like, you can't be afraid no matter where you're at in your life uh, to do whatever it takes even though it's things are not going to be glamorous. And, you know, I, I had a client of mine tell me one time, you know, he started a private aviation company. He said, listen, you know, when you start sleeping in satin sheets, you oftentimes could get quite lazy, you know, so keep your cotton sheets. Yeah, no, that's true, man. And that's, it's a big thing that I tell young kids is, and you probably had this same type of mindset is 
don't even worry about making money in your 20s. Like, literally, don't worry about it. You pour every ounce you have in doing the best you can with whatever situation you're in, in your passion, in something that drives you and juices you up. The rest will happen based on you taking each opportunity like you did. Man, you're going to be the best damn toilet cleaner there ever was. Yep. And it just continues to lead to the next. And I think that's a, that's a big lesson. The big lesson, I, I would say, just based even on what you just said, is Maybe you should never focus on making the money. And I remember having this conversation with Mariana Rivera, and I said, did you ever play for money? And he said, I never played for money. I played because I love the game and the money found me. And, uh, you know, when you approach my worst days and times are when I focus on the money yeah. because it's strictly transactional and it puts me in a bad place because we can never have enough of it and we always want more of it. So if we're always chasing that, you know, it's like you either chase that or you chase your passion. But if you chase your passion, the money will always come. If you chase money, you'll oftentimes lose your passion. So it's an interesting dynamic and you have to understand that. And, you know, we're in very tempting times and, you know, it's, it's comparative times. And we see what this person has and what that person has and we start to want. So we have to balance that. Yeah, that's such a good point because you're, you're right. Like, if you can, and you were, I mean, you were getting by, you were eating the food that they gave you, making seven bucks an hour before that, like we can get by. And if you're able to get by, sure, I understand you have to make money at some capacity to live and to survive, but don't make that your ultimate goal because in the end, you'll be 40 years old and you'll be stuck in a dead end job that you never wanted to be in in the first place. And just, I mean, go through those times of, I mean, embrace, I always tell people to embrace the suck, like embrace it being the non-glamorous because the non-glamorous is going to lead to the glamorous. So it's, yeah, I love that, man. And I know people can listen to this and think like, oh, David and Dana, yeah, you're doing fine now. You're doing great now. You're all this and that. But we went through those times. You went through those times. I went through eight years traveling all over the world, sleeping out of my car in well-lit Walmart parking lots doing basketball camps. I think that's how you become, um, that's how you become great because, you know, you don't believe your own headlines. Yeah. And that's something that I, that I believe. And, and even, you know, when it comes to, to the financial side of things, I mean, at the end of every year, I take, I mean, I have investment accounts and I have investments and things like that, but I take my operating account pretty much down to zero because I want to start the year seeing, seeing just about zero. So then I build out of it. And then when I reconcile December 31, I say, man, that was a good year. And then we take it to zero and build because I love to, to come from behind. You know, if I, if I start feeling too fat in any category of my life, fat leads to comfort, you know, and fat is oftentimes the result of comfort. So I, um, I don't believe in that. And I, I actually enjoy the struggle as much as I hate it. I hate it and I enjoy it. And without it, I don't know if I'd be very motivated to get up every day. It's so good, man. You are New York through and through. I love it. But it's the same. Yeah, that is the type of mindset. And speaking about mindset, that is the most important thing. Like we said, Yogi Berra said it's 90% is the mindset and is mental. And you've worked with some of the absolute best. Like you mentioned, Jeter, Clemens, Mariana Rivera. Do they have something that they're doing on a mental standpoint that separates them or are there things that you are working with them on? I'm just kind of looking selfishly for myself as I work with NBA players. Like, how can I continue to improve these? This is what I call this unshakable mindset. Well, the, one, the number one thing is, is very simple. They believe in themselves. Yes. That's, that's number one. Number two is 
you know, they're not looking for your applause hmm. to determine whether they believe in themselves or not. So, so they're not looking for external validation because they internally validate. And when you can literally quiet the noise of the world, you become an offensive player. And when you become an offensive player, you do a lot of scoring. And um, how many times and how many of us end up in a defensive posture and in a defensive position, oftentimes not even because of the words and actions of others, but because of the words and actions that we really, you know, put towards ourselves. So the best in the world, they're their best cheerleaders. You know, they're cheering themselves on as opposed to tearing themselves down. Yeah, that's so good, man. And it's the, I love how you said that they're not looking for the external validation. Our lives are basically on what other people think of us, the Instagram likes. It's crazy how much social media drives everything now based on what other people tell you have to be or your identity to be. So being able to separate that is an absolute must and an absolute just just like that's what's going to drive you to the end. So I love I love hearing that from you. You, you know, it's crazy, David, is that um you know, these players that I'm thinking about as I'm, as I'm speaking this to you, you know, they came up in an era where there was no social media. There was only newspapers, right? And, um, and, you know, some internet headlines and things like that. But there was no social media. And many of these guys today don't even have social media. Like Derek Jeter does not have social media. Mariano Rivera has it, but he doesn't run it. So he's never on it. And I've noticed that actually um, is a commonality amongst some of the highest earners that I work with and the most successful that I work with, and I'm talking big time earners, um, they're not on social media. They, they, they don't participate in it. And what that shows is too, that, that you don't need it to be successful. Mm -hmm. And you also have to monitor how you use it because it has an effect. I know it has a direct effect on me. I, I don't, every time I go on there, I usually leave not feeling great about myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. the truth. So I ask myself, why the hell do you go on there? And I, I come up with reasons as to why I have to be on there or why yes. I should be on there. And I have to, you know, connect with my fan base and all this nonsense that I feed myself. But um, every day that goes by, I'm actually getting closer and closer to exiting. And I, I say that because I base what I do based on how I feel. And, and when I do something and I don't feel great, I need to pivot away from that. Yeah, man. And that's really being authentic right there. Cause it's the same struggle that I'll battle with. And I know a lot of people do is the, is, is comparison and comparison. And even though if you think you're doing great, somebody's always doing better and you're going to want that drive and it just eats away at our essential time that we have. So yeah, like, and the crazy part is, you know, most of us are actually very motivated people right. already. So when we are already motivated and now we're looking towards, you know, others and we're getting the feeling like I'm not doing enough, that's, that's actually what leads to conditions of anxiousness and discontent and for some depression and, and for others, you know, they put themselves in a, in a very compromised situation. So it's, it's all directly related and we have to be really careful that we don't justify it like i can justify and say hey, well if i'm not on social media you know i don't talk i i don't connect with david and then i don't do dave's show and and i don't get to meet him and learn about him and then that's it but that's justified we find each other in some other way yeah i think you're right i mean things <clears throat> i think 
excuse me, God has a plan that it's meant to be. It's going to happen at some point. Like I tell me and my wife talk about it a lot. There's crazy things that have to happen for us to just even be able to meet. But we know that, that it would destiny would actually bring us together. So in some way, shape, or form, I would see you out here in L.A. or the beach or Air One Market, and we would have connected there. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, 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 it's wild, right, how that works? It's, it's absolutely wild, man. I love this stuff. Like this is – I could talk about this for days and just eat this up. But, you know, what are there, are there certain tools that you use? Because you work with very high performers and not just in the sports world. Like that's another pivot that you've done that I've done where we go use this, this mindset, these high-performance tools and, and better everyone from all different walks of life. Do you have any tools that you give for people that – might feel stuck or don't know how to, you know, like motivating the complacent. If you feel like you're just going through the same thing day after day and you want to follow your passion. So, so the biggest thing for me is, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in sports and now I spent a lot of time, you know, through the years, I've spent a lot of time in business and, um, and I really enjoy it, but I will say this about, about myself and um, maybe this isn't the best plug, but I'm a very vanilla guy. I always go back to fundamentals. I believe, you know, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, um, it's always the fundamentals. And when I watch the greats work, it's just master mastery of the fundamentals. So when I coach people, you know, through any situation in life, it always goes back to the fundamentals, right? And the fundamentals for me is always about relationship and relating. And it's always about showing people who they could be and who they are. Nice. And sometimes that who they are is, is uh, they're not the best. They're not in the best of, of places, right? They're not viewing themselves in the best way. It's my job as a coach to help get them back to seeing themselves as, as filled with potential and somebody that can, when executing on the right plan, that's, that's the right plan for them, they will do really well. And, and teaching them that when it comes to plan development, that their plan is going to be different than my plan. It's going to yeah. be different than David's plan. It's going to be different. And yep. that's what they have to embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly on their plan, which is really their journey. And when we can get them to, to lock in on that and become in love and obsessed with, with that plan that's, that's created for them, that's when they're going to meet their full potential and truly optimize. So I'm just really big on saying, who are you? And what are you destined for, right? And, and, that's, and then we put a box around you and we keep you in that box. It's not closing you off to opportunities and closing you off to the world, but it's keeping you from, from being polluted by a lot of the externals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got to unpack that a little bit because I love that. Putting in a box, focusing on your strengths is a big thing that I talk about, not the weaknesses. And everybody wants to do all this kind of stuff, but the we know the enemy of great is not bad. It is good of all these things going in there. So having that driven focus of who you are is beautiful. And I've heard you say it before that there is a champion in everyone. And I think that's beautiful, man. I love it. And I believe the same thing. It's just so hard for a lot of people just to think like, okay, this guy can do it. There's a champion in that guy, but there's not a champion in, in me. So to hear you speak on self-confidence, self-awareness being the most important, that is the foundation. That is if you're building a house or a, a pyramid, that is going to be the bottom pillar of that to just everything drives it. Yeah. What, well, one of, my, one of my lines that I use all the time is, listen, there's a champion inside every one of us. It's our, it's our job and it's our duty to bring that champion to life. And yeah. if you can't do it on your own, that's where great coaches come in. 
to help you bring that champion um, to life. And, and you have to believe that, right? Because the day you stop believing that, that means you're in a state of hopelessness. That means you're in a state of, of not believing. And that, from that state, you cannot achieve anything positive, right? So, so when you understand that, um, you realize, what does it take for me to get back to that? I always have to be in a, in a place where I can understand what's inside of me and what I'm able to do and capable of doing. Man, spot on. And that brings it to the point of habits. I mean, you are creating these daily habits because if you look at it like, how can I be like this? It's never going to just happen. It's just those small, what I call 1% step after 1% step. And you have a, an amazing book, Habits of a Champion. Are there some, there's some just, just tried and true habits, your non-negotiables that you go through daily? Like, this is what makes me who I am. So anybody that I work with, right, I tell them this. I say, listen, there's three to five things that you need to do every day. I call them your big three or your big five. Yeah. Love it. I do the, I do the big three. I do the big three. That's so cool to hear that you do the same thing. I promise I didn't steal it from you. I just came up with it. I said, look, yeah. I, you know, one day I said, you know, I, I had to call them the big three because you know, I could call them the champions three champions, five, whatever, you know, but, um, but I, I just realized that, there's usually three to five things that I have to do every day. And when I do them, I have a great day. And when I don't do them, I don't have a great day. So for me, um, I have to work out physically every single day, right? Yep. That's, that's, that's for me is, is actually number one, train physically. Number two, um, I have to eat a certain way. I just, I, I enjoy eating well. Listen, am I going to have a snack here and there? Absolutely. But, but the majority of my time, I, I like to eat well. So train well, eat well, and then I actually like to write. So I write my daily blog every morning. So those three things, those are like my, my big three. I get up and I write, then I go train, and then I eat. So it's like in that order, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And once I do that, I can't really have a bad day because I did what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's so good. And I'm just, I'm smiling from ear to ear over here, not just on the big three, but literally we sound like the same person. You're baseball and basketball. You're a lot cooler than I am way tougher than I am. But you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's making those habits and those daily staples. Cause you say like, Hey, I can't have a bad day after I do these things because you already know that you won the day. And when you have that feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day that you won the day, that builds momentum, that builds momentum. The compounding effect is the most powerful thing there is. So it's, it's great. And alongside that, you know, one, one of the, the guy, the guy that I've had a chance to work with for a lot of years in the, in the world of business, he's uh you know, from Westchester, you know, just outside of the city. And, um, you know, he told me some great advice years ago. And he said, listen, D, he said, just hit a single every day, you know, speaking the baseball language. And what that did for me was it said, when I look back on my day, right, I do my big three. And then I ask myself before I close out for the day, hey, did you hit a single today? So, so one of my singles today is our time together, right? So I hit a single in, in spending time with you. You know, I had another great call earlier. You know, that was another single. So today I've hit like three singles, you know, one more single and I got a run cross in the plate. But, but that's my point, right? I did my big three and I had three singles today. So awesome day. Now tomorrow, if I do the same thing, I look at it much like baseball. Just if you keep hitting singles, runs are going to score, 
you get in trouble in baseball and in life when you try to hit home runs all the time. You know, yep. just hit the single. And, and that single may seem like something that's insignificant or it's too small. What does it mean? You know, it's not, you know, doing anything for my bank account. It's not moving the needle. And it's like, no, if you hit a single, the needle will move over time. Mm -hmm. Be patient mm -hmm. and move your needles over time. Man, that's really good. And I, I love that mentality of just hitting singles. And it's, it's kind of funny because you've worked with Derek Jeter and Jeter, I mean, what was his highest home run total in the year? Maybe 20, maybe? Like, he is the king of hitting singles and occasional doubles, but yet he's one of the best players to ever play the game. Same with another player like Ichiro Suzuki, who I ah, worked with. Yeah. I mean, amazing. The master of the single. Yeah. And, and those guys, when you, when you look at how they play the game of baseball, it's actually the same way they live their life. Very simple, very disciplined to their three to five things. And they do them every day over and over and over and over again. And I always say, show me a great player and I'll show you a guy that has a very, very boring life because they oftentimes <laughs> do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And that's, they find excitement in the repetitive discipline of doing simple, fundamental, foundational things. Man, you know what's funny? Like people will ask me, how do you become successful? How do you get to do what you want to do? And like literally... There is a formula, and there's no other way around it. It is just having something you're juiced up, passionate about, knowing it's going to take a long time to get there, putting in these 1% steps daily, not quitting when things get hard, embracing the suck, doing the best you can at what, with what you have, and like you will eventually get there, but people yet still want to go for those big grand slam home run swings all the time. Yeah, and I think one more part to that success formula is this. You have to define what it means to you. Yeah, that's so right? good. You know, and uh, one question I always ask people is, what does winning mean to you? And most people can't define it. Like, like I want to know, what does it mean to you? Because I work with so many people that by their definition of winning and success, they already are successful and they already are winning. They're the only ones that don't see it. <laughs> yeah because they compare themselves to everybody else and are driven by the money and not the purpose it's so good man i love that okay i could like literally like i said i would talk to you all day long on this and you just continue to juice me up and i'm a pretty fired up person as it is but i'm gonna throw you on the rapid fire hot seat so whatever comes to your mind it can be quick answers just fire them out so the first one i have for you is which you've given some good ones already. What is your favorite mindset quote or saying that you live by? Maybe something on your fridge, on your Make screen. it happen. Make it happen. Simple to the point. Love that. It's funny. I just talked to somebody today who was giving me all these kind of excuses why he couldn't achieve what he was trying to do. I was like, dude, make it happen. No one's going to do it for you. I keep this on my desk right here. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Setting up your environment for success. That's what you're doing, man. You're building that subconscious. That's beautiful. All right. What is your definition of what leaving a legacy is to you? So it's like we talked about success doesn't have to mean success. What does legacy mean to you? Legacy to me means that my works go on past really my, my expiration date. You know, so yeah. so whatever I leave here continues to have impact, impact and influence on people um, when I'm not here. So that's why I do a lot of writing. 
and I do a lot of content creation because I believe that that's, um, that's the legacy, right? I'm, I'm building legacy while I'm here, much like you and everybody else. We build legacy when we're alive. We, we don't have to wait to perish before our legacy takes shape. Yeah, it's beautiful. So true. And what about, how about this one? What about so the wildest story of a player that you just knew like, okay, this guy's non-human. He's on another level. He is just this good. Like seeing LeBron up close and personal was one of those type of things for me. Well, you know, when the gates would open in the ninth inning and you'd hear enter Sandman and you'd watch Mariano come out of the gates from really, I mean, the time he put his uniform on, it, it, it fit him perfectly to watching those gates fly open and his signature jog from center field to the pitcher's mound and just um, watching somebody that's so convicted and so um, just really locked in on what it is that they are going to make happen. It was, was amazing to watch every night. And so um, I, I loved all the players that I, I got a chance to work with, but he's a special one. And uh, just to watch that divine, you know, presence every day was, was pretty cool. Divine presence. I love that. What's next? What's coming up next for you? I mean, you got like literally I mean, so many amazing things going, speaking the book, working with high level players. What is what's driving you to what's coming next? I, I, I sort of pivot in my own circle. Yeah. So, you know, I, I coach. That's that's my biggest thing. I coach companies. I coach leaders. That's what I love to do. Um, but again, I, one of my other passions is real estate. So I've, I've loved buying a lot of investment properties, farm, all that. So I'm always pivoting into different, um, different things. They all have, they're all related, but I, but I just love doing different things. I, I like variety, but I like to stay within my box. Yep. Yep. And you know what you do? You just make it happen. Yep. Rinse, wash, repeat, right? Beautiful. And that's the fun in it, man. I tell people be addicted. Being an addict is, is great. Be addicted to improvement. Yep. Like we like that's what makes this life fun. Totally, man. Totally. Dan, Danny, you are an unbelievable breath of fresh air and just motivational inspiration on so many levels. How can everybody listening follow you? I mean, check out the book, Habits of a Champion for sure. How else can we just know everything you're up to? Yeah, well, listen, like like your book, it's on Amazon and um, DanaCavalier.com. That's my home base. I, I, uh, like I said, I put a lot of time into my daily writing, which, which is all, all there. So I, you can get it there. And um, again, I just try to share a positive message each day for people. I love it. So I can get, I can read something you're writing every single day. You're coming out with those daily. Yeah, I do. I do them uh -huh. daily. I, I, like I said, so I, cool. it's my routine. I, I literally, I write them every morning and I uh, write them in real time. And it's just my thing. It's, 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 it's actually selfishly, it's a centering exercise for me. And, um, and I, I started actually, I was in Newport Beach staying at the Pelican Hill Resort training a player one winter. And I was bored because he wouldn't wake up till like 11 o'clock. And I would wake up at like 530. I was on New York time. And I would just start writing. So I started the blog maybe four or five years ago now, now that I think about it. And I've just, I write every day, Monday through Friday. Man, all right. I'm putting that in my morning routine now. Reading what you're writing. <laughs> hey, it's got to be your thing, though. That's my thing. I don't know if that's your thing. No, 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 no. My, mor 
my thing is going to be reading what you're writing. I'm not doing oh, it. Oh, I'm okay, okay. You. I was going to say, I don't want yeah. you to have to feel obligated to start writing if that's not your thing. No, it's definitely my thing, man. I, I definitely enjoy writing as well. All right. The last question I have for you before you're off this Pivot and Go podcast, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is feeling just stuck in the mud and just can't seem to make that little pivot out, what would just that one piece of advice to get them going in the correct direction? Okay, so we get stuck in the mud because we're stuck in our head. So you have to move. You have to take action. And, and I used to say this uh, quite a bit when I, you know, in some other business ventures that I was in. Listen, don't be afraid to fail, like, because failure is the result of action. So at least you took action. So even if you make a mess, at least you have a mess to clean up. It gives you something to do, which is more action. So action will take you out of whatever state you're in, right? So if you're fat and out of shape, work out. And eventually, if you do that enough, you'll be out, out of that state. If you're frustrated and you feel jammed up, like try different things. You don't know what you don't know, but you won't know unless you take action. Ooh, that is good. Action will take you out of whatever state you're in. That is an Instagram, Twitter quote for sure right there. Man, Dana Cavalia, you are amazing. That was just that was so enjoyable for me selfishly and I know everybody out there will be taking nuggets from this for sure, but I just really love your authenticity, just the genuine real person. Like you just say it how it is and it makes so much sense coming out. So everyone, follow everything that he is doing, check out the book Habits of a Champion and man, we got to get you out here to LA. Come back out to Newport <laughs> Beach. Thank you so much for being on, my man. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. And if you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it, one star of course if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement into someone. You can and you will make a difference.